Hey, Devin. Oh, hey, Melissa. Melissa, where has all the money gone? Oh, we're going to break it down. Just, you know, we're going to just dive in a touch. But today we're going to talk about where our tax money is going. We're going to dive in. My tax money? Your tax money. All of our tax money? The collective. You mean the money that they call the federal funds? Which aren't federal funds. They're actually hard-earned dollars off the backs of our citizens. That we don't pay, they take. They take. They just take. Well, they take and we pay because we get d- double, triple, quadruple hosed in most cases. Yeah, we're gonna we're <laughs> we're gonna break that down too, just so it's very clear, crystal clear. Um, but to start, this is kind of how the breakdown in Canada that we pay in tax by percentage depending on where we live. So Alberta, BC, Manitoba, North Northwest Territories. Nunavut, Quebec, Saskatchewan, and the Yukon pay 5% in GST, and that's where that stops. And GST stands for goods and services taxes. Yes. Thank you. Here in Ontario, we pay 13% total. So we actually pay harmonized sales tax. We have GST. And HST. And, and, and federal sales tax. Or provincial sales tax. PST. PST. Yes. PST. Yes. Right. Which is so the- one is 7%, one is 8%. And then in, uh, which is quite the jump. Let's just first recognize that between 5% and 13 that's a massive jump. Mm-hmm. On every single dollar, not only that you make, but on every single thing that you purchase as well. Yes. And of course. Other than maybe like. <clears throat> produce at the grocery store. Yeah, but like, there are some very minuscule exemptions, like for instance, children's footwear under the price point of twenty nine ninety nine mm. are exempt. Um, there are food exemptions for, like you said, baked goods, produce, certain things that you would pick up at like a bakery or a grocery store or a market. Um, obviously, those those are some like some of those items are exempt. Um, but it's few and far between. If you're yes. getting basically anything in the aisles of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Anything at the front checkouts. Anything that you, uh, yeah, like if you buy a bouquet of flowers. If you pick up a bottle of soda. If you get a box of pasta. All those things. 13% on top of the ticket price you see on the shelf. Of course. Mm-hmm. So... We pay 13, so between 5 and 13, massive jump, but it gets better. In New Brunswick, Newfoundland, Labrador, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island, they pay 15%. 15. Yes, and not only do they pay 15%, but they also have a higher cost to some of those, let's call them the shelf items, to get them delivered correct so to get them from say the dock in montreal or the shipyard or the docks of toronto or the airplane hangar in order to get those goods out to the east coast of on of canada um you know they're paying a premium because it has to go further um from my understanding a lot of the goods that come into the prairie provinces so the five percenters they come up from the states 
Yeah. So it reduces shipping costs because they're coming straight across the border from the U.S. as opposed to being brought in to, say, the Toronto dock, then getting on a truck, driving to Montreal, redocking, then getting on another truck and going out to the East Coast. So, like, your transportation costs alone, just to move that box of pasta from point A to point B, becomes quite elaborate. Well, and it's kind of even up north. Like, they, oh. when they have things flown in, that's when you're getting, like, you would pay $75 for a watermelon. Well, guess what? Yeah. They're just not buying watermelons because, Clearly. like, that's absurd and no one's spending <clears throat> that kind of money. But it may, we understand... A little bit, like obviously that's crazy price gouging, but we understand that not only did it have to get to wherever it was going to get on the plane, but then it's then of course flown in, yada, yada, yada. I get it. Yeah. Hawaii is the same. Everything's important, imported. It's expensive within like reason, but like. But then why is it that I can buy (laughs) if that's the, if that is what we're being sold as facts, right? That's what we're being told. The story. Yeah, that's the story story we're being sold. That's the story. Then why is it my grapes from Peru are $3.99 a kilogram in Ontario? Why are they only $3.99 a kilogram? Would that whole, like, trip kilometer cost not affect my grapes they affect them but they know if they put them at 49.99 instead of 3.99 no one's buying them so they go bad and then they have to eat that cost as the grocery store owner so they're not going to do that what they do and how they're getting i'm air giant air quoting this but how they're getting away with it with places like up north when things are flown in is it's supply and demand. If that's all you're getting and that's your only option, right? We have the ability to be like, okay, well, in two weeks from now, grapes are probably going on sale for $1.99 a pound. Um, so we just don't buy them. Or like when cherries are $8.99 a pound, we're like, that's cute. I'll buy them when they're $2.99 and they're on sale. When it's up north, again, they're being, it like, it's, th- it's this or nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's either you buy it or you don't. So I think that's where it's, we have more leverage of, we have the easier access. Mm-hmm. The whole story and the whole thing we're being sold is bullshit both directions. Mm-hmm. But this is how they get away with selling that story to people. Mm-hmm. And then putting these crazy price tags on things. Yes. Like a three a three liter bag of milk or whatever that like when you buy the bag with the three bags in it. Yep. Up in like tuck like in tuck, like tuck tiatuk, up in in Calloway, up there is like twenty seven dollars. Here it's five, six bucks. For a bag of milk. $27. I remember when it was $3.99. Me too. <laughs> That's cute. I think I remember before it was $3.99. Um, I also know that in northern places and remote communities that soda, like bottled soda, mm. is cheaper per liter than milk. So you know what people are... That's what they're gravitating so towards. you're putting 
soda in your child's cup instead of milk or juice or or whatever. And, and you're certainly watering it down whether mm-hmm. you're buying milk or soda. And a lot of um, rural communities like north of the tree line, right? They don't have access to clean drinking water either. So it's not mm. like they can just go ahead and, you know, give their family um, clean drinking water because they are unable to to access that for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into on another I day. I was going to say, that's definitely that's a, a hot issue. But wow. we're going to bring in the big guns for that one. We're going to bring in somebody that has far more knowledge than me. Yes. No, I love that. So back to taxes and taxes and taxes and taxes. Yeah. So the carbon tax, we've talked about this a little bit before, Mm -hmm. but basically we pay for gas and then not only are we paying for gas and it's taxed, but then we have the carbon tax additional on top of that, which is then taxed again. You mean gas for our car? Yes. Gotcha. So, well, collectively. So gasoline for our vehicles. Mm -hmm. Gas to our homes. If you heat your home, mm-hmm. right? You have With, a gas line. Yep. Or propane. Propane. Mm-hmm. Same thing. All, all taxed. Mm-hmm. There's a carbon tax added on, and that's taxed as well. Yes. So that liter of gasoline that you pump into your tank of your car is let's say so today's price today's price was about a dollar 35 a liter which is low from what it's been correct um i have a vehicle that takes premium only because she is she's special (laughs) so mine's a little steeper but regular unleaded fuel today was about a dollar 35 a liter in our town of that dollar 35 a liter i believe about 80 80 cents 82 cents is tax tax and like delivery fee surcharge yep yep and so we're being robbed and there's literally nothing that we can do about it whatsoever nothing right and there also is no governing body for what they're charging us at the pumps so um in a perfect world which we are far from perfect but in a perfect world it would be really, really awesome if what is coming out of the ground, what is going for refining, what is then coming down the pipeline into the truck to be transported to the tank in the ground at the gas station, it would be really nice if there was a set consistent price that all of us could be... Um, prepared for and budget for some weeks my gas for my vehicle is say $130 let's say and other weeks the gas for my vehicle is closer to 200 Mm -hmm. and that is just because of the fluctuation between Monday to to Wednesday to Friday And the funny, crazy part is, is when I was a younger person, the price of fuel, like the gas price at the gas pump, I don't know about natural gas or propane per se. Um, Actually, I can speak to propane, but um, the gas pump price 
whatever that tank of gas, so that big tanker truck that comes in and fills that, that cistern underneath, whatever, say, LMNOP gas station bought that tanker for, it was then priced accordingly. So if that tanker of fuel cost them $10,000 to fill up their cisterns, their tanks, they paid $10,000 for that tanker. It was then costed at X number of cents per liter or dollar cents per liter. And then when they refilled that tank, that those tanks under the ground, they would change the price accordingly, according to what they paid for that tanker. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, because it is unregulated and because of this heavy, heavy tax load that the federal government is taking and provincial government, I think, is in there, too. The people that own the gas stations and the gas companies themselves can change the price from breakfast to lunch to dinner with zero accountability regulation or any reason they want. It doesn't follow the market trading price any longer. So if the cost of of crude oil is, let's say, selling a barrel of crude, so they measure it in barrels. If a barrel of crude is selling at $50 a barrel, Mm That once upon a time was reflected in what we pay per liter or in the States per gallon. You could literally look at the stock market in the morning and be like, oh, price of gas, price of crude oil is up or down. That means the gas stations are probably going to reflect that within the next 24 to 48 hours. And it followed the market trend. Now, and for the last who knows how many years, it has that has been squashed and now it's like throw a dart at the dartboard and pick whatever price you feel like and then the federal and provincial governments have done this triple taxing and they do it because there's nothing we can do about it Correct. we either buy the gas and we go to work and we drive mm-hmm. around and we do what we want leisurely or we don't but they have mm-hmm. us they and they know it Oh, there's a holiday. Oh, we're going to jack up the price of fuel. Yeah. Because we can. Yeah. Because more people are going to be traveling to go see their loved ones. 100%. Of course. So, and again, it's not regulated, so they can do whatever they want. And, of course, it's now come in, like, not only are we triple tax on everything, but it's also, like, the greed behind everything that they're allowed Mm -hmm. to get away with. Yeah. So we just, it's a manipulation thing of like, well, if gas station ABCD EFG are all charging this, I'd better be similar or like half a cent lower or I'm going to get screwed. Yeah. They all have to kind of stay somewhat in line, right? Yeah. So yeah, you can't have, you know, ABC gas station at a dollar a liter. And XYZ gas station at $1.50. Well, because you know what's going to happen. There's going to be lineups down the Wahoo at the first one selling for a dollar. He's going to sell out. Yep. And then it takes him another four days to get another tanker. So he's now losing four days worth of revenue. Yep. Even though he sold out, doesn't Just at matter. a cheaper price. Yep. It doesn't matter because he now can't get refilled for four more days. Therefore, he lost four days of revenue. 
but the gas station down the streets kept their price at 150 a liter. They didn't get any business for the first day, but they got all the business for the next four. That's right. Yeah. It, it's wild. So where do you think all these, where do you think this tax money goes once they siphon it off our, our paychecks and they rip it out of our bank accounts at the end of March and they um, send us notices of failure to pay if we miss an HST payment by a day? Oh, where yeah. do you think all that clawback goes? Uh, foreign funding, 100 million percent. Uh, welfare, we'll get into the CPP thing, but that as well. Um, yeah, huge foreign funding, huge. Mm-hmm. We, I think it's important to then, to also point out, we started explaining how much each province actually pays on every single dollar. Because we have, as a country, have been sending millions and millions of dollars to Ukraine and Israel. Recently, yes. Yes. And before that, it was going to all different places, but it's always going somewhere that isn't staying in Canada. Which is a huge problem. Like, we have... This isn't super something we're going to dive into today, but we have... 22% and climbing of active duty military that cannot afford housing. But you're telling me we're sending millions and millions and millions of dollars to other countries. So while we're, I'm going to interject with some (laughs) facts here. Perfect. Thank you. Please do. Off of... This is right from, it's called DonorTracker.org slash Canada. This is um, the actual amount from the Government of Canada's website. So this is fiscal year 2021-22, which was the last tax year. Canada's spending on international assistance reached $7.6 billion Canadian dollars. It is now followed by a... Now, keep in mind, we are not out of fiscal year 23 yet. we are still got a month to go, right? We're not out of 23 for one more month. Let's say six weeks. Yeah. Okay. But this is now the projected spending because the money's already been spent, right? Mm, like it was yeah. in the budget. It's already been... The, the checks have already been signed. The e-transfers have been sent. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So, four... So this was, so fiscal year 21-22, Canada alone, just Canada, spent $7.6 billion with a B, okay? Everybody get that? Billion with a B, 7.6, US, or sorry, Canadian dollars. Fiscal year 22-23, so just the year that we are coming out of, it was a all-time record high of $8.1 billion Canadian dollars. This uh, report came out in May of this year, 2023. And that is on the government website. It's not... It is taken from donortracker.org slash Canada. And these statistics are from um, the Canadian, 
like budget website. Yes. Like where they actually have appropriated the money. Here's another one for you off of taxpayer.com. What countries has Canada given the, mo- the money to? The top three recipients of Canadian foreign aid are Ethiopia in at $208 million, Haiti at $204 million, and Tanzania at $181 million. A side note is these are the three of the poorest nations on earth. But Canada also donates to economic superpowers like China and Russia, Israel and Ukraine. And that is off the website called www.taxpayer.com. And there is a PDF form available for this as well, if anyone wants to look it up. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew this was going to make me crazy. That's okay. I knew I was going to talk about this. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when mm-hmm. I have a really big problem to let's scale back. Of We are in, literally as Canadians, an epi- uh, oh my goodness, an economic crisis of like the price of groceries has increased this year like 20 to 30%. And that's being like really generous. Okay. That is on the low end. Mm-hmm. People, we used to, and I'll use our family as an example. There's only two of us, my husband and I, and our dogs. We used to go to the grocery store. We used to fill the cart, whatever we wanted. We wouldn't even really worry about it. Just what we wanted, what was healthy, what's clean food, yada, yada, yada. The odd snacks, the odd treats. And Melissa's a major meal prepper, so she buys bulk. So she'll buy like... 10 pound package of chicken breast. Yeah, like we don't buy the two pack. Like no. there's none of that around. She buys the, the big packs because they meal prep. Her husband works away part time. So he takes food with him. So just for reference. Yeah. She's buying all the big stuff. This year, now with these increases, mm-hmm. we, I started pulling coupons. Mm-hmm. I, we are very aware now. Mm-hmm. If chicken's $35 that week, we just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. We may buy mm-hmm. like a, a whole chicken, but we're telling like we've gone from a whole chicken used to be like ten to twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. They're now like twenty five mm-hmm. if they are not on sale, and that is not. It's not happening. That's and crazy. that is not a free range organically grain fed chicken. That is no, your mechanically processed like super farm chicken. Yeah. And now when it's on sale, it's $17. So you think you're getting a deal. We're really no, we're totally getting screwed. But gas is up. So transportation costs is up. And, but the other thing, and right, so farmers, everything costs more for them. I understand kind of sort of where the the pricing is coming from to an extent. Mm -hmm. But if you can tell me, like, we'll get tenderloin steaks my thing i love them you're telling me one week it's 48.99 a pound four days later 49.99 now let's be clear i'm not buying at that price i buy them when they're on sale it's still cheaper than going out to a restaurant we prefer to be at home no problem 
Everything's fine. It's a choice. Everything is a choice. But where's that price increase coming from? No, things are going like exponentially crazy. Coffee used to be like $15 a box. Now it's like 25 So the coffee thing, because <clears throat> a little known fact about this girl is I am a raging coffee addict. You sure are. Raging. Um, so a, like, um, what are they? The little, the two pound tubs you can get. Oh, like Folgers or yeah, whatever. Maxwell yeah, Maxwell yeah. House Folgers, um, the PC brand. They all make like a two pound tub, right? With this, the lid. No matter what brand you bought, they were all around on regular price about 12 bucks. On sale, you could get it like $6.99, $7.99. So, you know, if I found it for $6.99, I'd buy three or four because it's like, well, I go through coffee like it's going out of style. So I'm going to stock up when it's on sale. Now, like you said about the steaks, the sale price is now what the used to be regular price is at, say, $12.99 or $13.99 for the exact same coffee, might I add. And the regular price is coming up 20 bucks. Same coffee. Exact same packaging, exact same contents, exact same package size. Nothing different. It's still grown wherever it's grown. It's still harvested the same way. It's still processed the same way. Same coffee. Exact same coffee. And that's not... We'll, we'll kind of sort of get into it, but shrinkflation mm. is also a thing. I feel like this should be a totally other podcast, but... Can be. Like, the, the divot in peanut butter, bigger. Cereal boxes. Smaller. Smaller. Um, pasta, pa- pasta packages. I've noticed, like, you know how you can Less buy... Less full? Yes. So you can buy, <clears throat> like, if you're buying bulk dry pasta... You know, you can buy it in like the crinkly bag, right? Which is non-recyclable and is garbage because it's a crinkly bag. And you can get like say a 700 or a 50 gram bag, which is a decent size, enough for say four or five people for an entire meal with maybe with leftovers. And then, um, and say it's $4. So if you're feeding four or five people for $4 for a bag of pasta... And then you add your own toppings to it and whatever. That's a good deal, right? But if you're buying the pasta in the boxes, which pasta snob girl over here, which I'm going to start making my own pasta because it's cheaper and fresher. But for now, I'm still buying pasta dry. So because it lasts longer and I can whip it out of the cupboard in a moment's notice and whip it up as opposed to creating the pasta from scratch. However, so box pasta now, which I tend to buy because... The boxes are recyclable. Whereas, or I can put it in my compost if I shred it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the crinkly plastic is garbage and I'm trying to reduce my garbage because we are now on this insane garbage collection cycle, which we do talk about in a preview in a podcast that's going to launch very soon. So um that is that is a thing for me now. So now I'm looking at packaging when I go shopping because I'm like. Well, that comes in a waxed box. That waxed cardboard box is garbage. It isn't recyclable. So I'm not buying that package. But I'll buy that package because it can go in the recycling or in the compost. 
Good for you, because I'm over here being like, which one's the cheapest? Yeah, so, and uh, listen, I still sometimes just weigh the cheaper option. The other thing, um, so those boxes, they used to be, um, say, 450 grams, which would be enough. Like, I'm a family of three, me and my two kids. So um, that one box would easily do the three of us for a meal of, say, spaghetti and meatballs or alfredo or whatever right add a salad you're good to go so that would be more than enough for us now it's like that 450 gram box is now a 300 gram box and i've noticed they've done that with cheese they've done that with bacon you used to be able to get a 500 gram pack of bacon for 8.99 now it's a 325 gram pack of bacon for 8.99 I was going to say, yeah, the price didn't change. Let's no, be real clear. But this, like you coined it, the shrinkflation, wherever that term came from, it's great. Um, that is for real. And like potato chips and potato chips and um, cereal, like you mentioned, which is cereal is garbage. Please stop eating cereal, people. <laughs> but just to make the point, right, of like for the price reference. didn't change. No. But yeah, the box is sure as hell got smaller and yeah. the bag inside the box. Yeah. It got smaller too. Exactly. You're getting screwed. We're just bringing it to your attention. Mm-hmm. All of those things have, are again, it's all about the conditioning. We're being conditioned to think that $1.35 a liter on gasoline for your car is a cheap price. <laughs> We're being conditioned that the 375 gram package at $8.99 is a deal. Like, it's craziness. And I'm all for, I'm all for a small increase in price year over year because things naturally change in price. It's just the way it goes. There's a cycle. Everything has a cycle. You know, like I run a business. My prices change. Of course. Maybe not year to year, but like in a cycle. Um, The cost of things I buy for my business change. The cost of my insurance for my business changes. But to pay tax on the tax on the tax and then get told that you're getting a good deal is wild. So of all that money that our federal and provincial governments are collecting, which they're not collecting, they're taking, it's like extortion. Because if you don't pay, let's go to property tax, Melissa. Property tax is a municipal thing. So the town we live in collects property tax from each homeowner that owns a home in or a, a business property in this city, right? It's just the way the world. So we have municipal property taxes. You can either pay them quarterly or sorry, uh, quarterly? I think they have a quarterly option. You can or pay annual. It, you can pay it in full or in my case, I pay mine monthly. So I pay my monthly. So I have uh, two properties in in our town, and I pay each of them monthly to the tune of about $600 a month Okay, is what I pay for my two properties. That's just property tax that goes to the, that goes to the city. And then our city then takes everyone's property tax, and then they decide how to set the budget for, you know, roads and repairs and bridges and tent city school boards and 
parks, planting trees, maintaining the beaches, and uh, putting up fencing around our Wolf Street parking lot, tent city encampment. <laughs> Note a previous podcast for please, all that information. Please note a previous podcast. So that is, you know, like I, we, we have no say as property owners in this city. We have no say how our city spends that money. Zero. It doesn't matter who you elect because they don't get a say either. Yeah. So that let's just take that off the board. Voting for a mayor and a city council does not dictate where that money gets spent. There is a body up and above them that controls where the money goes. So it has no no bearing on who our city council people are. It has no bearing on who our current mayor is. By the way, he's a pokeroo, but that's another day. We don't. I've never seen our mayor <laughs> since election night. Haven't seen him. Yeah. Um, Let's also talk about property tax increasing ten percent. Yeah, ten percent. Like to me, that's that number is outrageous. It's generally in the like one to three percent margin. Yeah, no, not now. Now, ten. Well, and I'm sure that we can talk at length about that, about where that we'll, money. Is yeah, going. we'll dive into that another day. But. but here's the kicker for me. So I have no trouble paying my property tax to the city in which I live because they take care of my essential services at city level. They pay to fund the um, paramedics. They pay to fund the school boards where I, school where I live. They pay to keep our parks clean, our trails sanded and plowed in the winter. They pay to maintain the beach because we live in a place that has a lake. So they maintain the beach. There's a lifeguard there. They keep the garbage pails emptied and they take care of the downtown. Um, garbages, that is. They don't take care of the downtown. Sorry, let's rewrite no, man, that story. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. don't take care That's of the downtown, but they do dump the garbage pails. And they make sure that the street lights are on. They also, um, there's money for snow plows and sanding the roads, which is very important. In winter, they also the police is funded by that. Yeah, the yes. police uh, is has funding from the city. They also take care of like uh, garbage services um, and all those fun things. So I'm all for it because I benefit from the services that I pay for. Yeah, but here's the funny thing: at any time, they can take my land from me. Or they can come on my land and cut my trees down. They could dig my grass up and bury pipes and cables. They can drive heavy equipment across my land that I pay taxes to have. They can do whatever they like because I don't actually own it. Mm. So property tax in Peterborough, where we live, Anywhere in Canada, actually, unless you are in um, an un, uh, what do they call that? Unincorporated zone, which is mostly way north. Mm -hmm. So we, Peterborough, city of Peterborough is incorporated and we are under jurisdiction to um, uh, like a governing body that kind of dictates how things roll here. And our city council and our mayor can't, can't overrule them. 
they can recommend and have a, an, a have an opinion, but they can't overrule. So at any given time, these people can, can just come in and do whatever they want on my land. I don't own it. I own my house, but I don't own the land my house sits on. Mm. So I could come home and there could be a piece of heavy equipment sitting in my yard. They could be digging up a, a, a hole because they want to put in a new storm drain or they wish to put in fiber optic cable or they wish to bury some kind of hydro lines under my property. And I have no ability to tell them to stop because I don't own the land in which my home sits on. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like rent. So that property tax, in my mind, is kind of like rent. I am renting the land from the, from city. the city, who then pays to the province, the country, and ultimately the Crown Corporation, because we are a colonial country, and we answer to England. We do. I just want to circle back really quick, because I know I mentioned this, but I want to bring really close attention to it is that like the price of things in general. So again, we're talking about property tax here going up just 10% compared to the 1% to 2%. It mm-hmm. normally goes up. In historical, yeah. Right? So when I go back to talking about like groceries or the price of gas or any of those things with a 20 to 30%, again, being very reasonable on the low end here of the cost of goods and services and all of those things... I just want to really point out here that our salaries or being self-employed, what I charge clients, did not increase 20 to 30%. Okay? It couldn't. It's not possible. It's not feasible. So to swing it all back around to the foreign funding and the money that is being generously given to other countries we as canadians are drowning and i can't imagine the people on welfare or disability their income doesn't change that's fixed as well or a fixed pension from the company that they worked for 20 years ago yeah it's all fixed cpp which we will get into in five seconds but all of those things that are fixed Mm -hmm. So, people, like, if I used to not worry what the price of things were, I used to just shop, meal prep, not worry about a thing. What was healthy? What do I want to look at this week? What do I want to eat? What do I want to snack on? Not a care in the world. Now, I have to strategically plan these things or financially it becomes a problem. Okay? And I help clients do the same because, again, we're all kind of in that same boat of, holy crap, how do we afford life right now like mm-hmm. i never thought that would be a problem um so to say that canadians are drowning the cost of people's mortgages potentially doubling in the next few years like just why are we giving all this foreign funding and we're struggling like crazy so that i have a problem with and now to go into the cpp thing so CPP is the Canadian Pension Plan. So when you turn 65, 
you receive money from the government that you've been paying into since, what, probably 18? Maybe younger, 16? Um, Anyway, you get your first job, they take tax, you start paying into CPP. And CPP, by the way, is the Canadian Pension Plan. Yes. Just so people aren't familiar with that. Yes. Some people know it's CPP, but they don't know what it is. So it's the Canadian Pension Plan. There's also OAS, which is Ontario Old Age Security. That's Ontario, like Old Age Security and CPP are two different entities. Um, One gets started, one you can start collecting um, at 60 as a working person. And the other one doesn't count until 65 as a working person. You can defer uh, mm. to 65 for your uh, old age secure or sorry, your Canada pension, which is 60. You can defer it to 65 if you're still working and it will build up until you retire. You can also apply for your CPP as a working person earlier in life if you become unfit or unable to work. You can, if you have worked and contributed, um, there is a formula they use and you can actually collect early mm. just to interject there. Cool. No, no, no. It's great. Um, so I was just made aware that if you make now $68,000 a year or more, you are now paying an additional 7% into CPP over and above what everyone else is paying into. And why this is even an issue or why we're talking about it is basically, so we're we're fairly young. We are mm-hmm. nowhere near getting CPP at all. Mm-hmm. We're or old age security. Or like, old age security. Yeah. We're paying into these programs and we will never see the fruits of it ever. It will not be available when it is our time in 30-ish years, mm-hmm. it's not going to be available. The I, money is gone. So I actually have another side note on that. Because Please. this is today's topic. <clears throat> our government has borrowed on the Canada Pension Fund to pay out other federal debts. So... The actual fund who is, and the fund is money managed by, oh man, we should look that up. Who is the money management fund for the Canada Pension Plan? So the the money management fund, so it's managed by like a corporation, like a company. And the Canadian government has borrowed against that fund to release equity and capital from that fund. Over the past, I'm assuming, several years. Uh, There is a lot of funny, shady business when it comes to these large equity funds that come from tax dollars. Um, Like, for instance, the Canada Revenue Agency, which is our federal uh, taxation service they are the comp- they are the part of the government the federal government that um, holds all of us accountable for how much tax we pay each year how much money gets siphoned out of our 
wallets for paying our HST, for paying our Canada Pension Plan uh, amounts, and um, and all of those things. They are also the ones that audit if they feel that you have incorrectly informed them about your earnings. They are the ones that can seize your assets. They are can they can actually send you to prison. They are a very powerful organization and they are under the umbrella of our federal government. So they are, um, there has been a proposal set recently that our um, governing political party, which is the Liberal Party, that they wish, they want the Canada Revenue Agency to process tax returns for all of us citizens because they feel that there is too many people probably being dishonest. So they want to take that on themselves. My opinion on that is if you are receiving a federal pension like CPP or old age security, OAS, or CPP disability, which is another branch of the CPP chain, So for persons who have been injured or disabled, but they contributed to CBP for many working years, they are eligible to apply for CPP disability. Um, And that can happen at any age. So let's say you're a working person, you worked from the age of 16 to 26 or 16 to 36, let's say. You put in 20 working years at a full-time pay And let's say you become sick or disabled and you can no longer work, you can actually apply for your CPP premiums to be paid out early. And then that will allow you to collect that, collect, uh, collect some money um, on a pension paid out. And they also, with CPP disability, they have a dependent allowance. So if you are a person who has dependent children, and you qualify for CPP disability, then a dependent child amount is paid out to your dependent children as well until age 18. Wild. Okay. So if you're a person that is on any of those pensions where you are getting, or also if you are a government employee and your paycheck comes from the federal government of Canada, I am all for Canada Revenue doing your taxes for you. All for it. But as a business owner, we have so not a many chance. factors. So many factors. There's no way. As not and it even, changes so much year to year. Sorry, course. please continue. Yeah, well, tax laws change every year. So and and eligibility changes every year, and write-offs change every year, and percentages change every year. Um, so I am all for, in my opinion, of course, I'm all for if you are a federal employee, as in your paycheck comes from the federal government which means it's taxpayer money. If you are a recipient of any federal pension, so CPP, CPP disability, old age security, whatever. Actually, old age security might be done by the province. should look that up. Anyway, any federal paycheck or pension, I 100% support the Canada Revenue Agency processing your tax return. Well, it's pretty straightforward. The gov- the money comes from them. Great. It's there should in, be no other money. And then away we go. In no one problem. hand and out the other. So the federal government is paying you with taxpayer money. 
And then they are then processing your tax return and then determining whether you owe or are or not owe at the end of the year. And that that's straightforward. I'm all for that. But everyone else who works for an independent company or is independently employed as a self-employed person or runs a business and they're like either in an owner operator or they're in a joint venture or whatever. If you're anyone else that isn't a federal agency, then you should be responsible for doing your own tax return and the federal government needs to back off and leave. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane and leave us alone. Deal with your own employees Deal with your own pensioners and leave the rest of us alone, please, because we are all grown humans and we can take care of that ourselves. Yeah. There are professional tax agencies and professional um, taxation experts that are chartered in most cases, like CPAs, CGAs. They've been to school. They know the things. They're smart people. They're registered. They are professionals. Too. Yeah, we pay our accountant every year to be like, here, yeah. please take care of this. And make sure things are filed and Absolutely. numbers are where they're supposed to be. Like, mm-mm. So if the Canada Revenue Agency takes over for everybody, how many of these professional tax people are going to be out of work? Uh, well, unless you're an accountant that uh, like monthly does people's books, mm-hmm. you don't have a job. You're yeah. done. You're and done. the government can't control where their own money is going, let alone where my money is going. So no thanks whatsoever. Um, I just pulled this up and it says the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board operating as CPP Investments is a Canadian crown corporation. Oh, what a surprise. Established by the way of 1997 Canada Pension Plan Investment Board Act to oversee and invest the funds contributed to and held by the Canada Pension Plan. I just want to point out, assets under management is $575 billion, with a B, as of June in 2023. Mm-hmm. You're telling me the government took out a loan against that taxpayer money that we have paid for years. And again, just to, again, it's not going to be there when it's our turn uh, people not having an, an kids, um, even even if we had like what are we calling that? We let in refugees and mm-hmm. immigration and all of those things. Mm-hmm. There is not enough money being paid in relevant to the amount of people right now taking it out. Correct. And now you're informing me there is. They loan against a it. loan against it, which is further. They borrow against it. Yeah, so it's further telling me. Well, because that's cash money. Correct. We have literally they've take taken from us that we have paid mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. We work, they take it. We pay things, yada yada yada. No, no. Okay, let's <laughs> let's move on from that one. I think Melissa's eyebrows <laughs> twitching right now. Let's move on from that one right now. But again, to say all of that, like if we can't afford, why are we taking out a lo- we? Why is the government taking out a loan on five hundred and seventy-five billion dollars with a B of Canada Pension Plan money, which people have been paying into for years? Mm-hmm. 
Why are, again, I'm circling back to foreign aid, foreign aid and foreign investment. Why are we doing that? <clears throat> and we, we're, we can't stay afloat. Well, where did you think CERB came from? Ma'am, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> Okay. I just got the monopoly. Go to jail. To go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. I was not <laughs> prepared to talk about serve. We are not. I just wanted to throw that in there because I really like your eyebrow twitching. <laughs> we we will talk all things. I think COVID and serb and manipulation and vaccines and. Splitting up of families and friendships and all those things another day. We're yes. going to put that in a nice little box for now and Called set later. it <laughs> to the side because, oh my goodness, I was not ready for that one. We're in a box. It's in a box called later. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. But here's what else. Talking about, we were talking before about Taxes. property tax mm-hmm. and that going up. Um, your grandfather passed. Bless mm-hmm. him. I want you to talk about... His estate because you were the executor. executor. Yeah. So let's dive in because some of the I nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> but I want you to but when you sit down and you say these things out loud and mm-hmm. it's like on a daily basis we're getting screwed left, right, and center. Yes. But this to me, when you kind of talk it out point by point, is like holy smokes. Things that are paid for already. Th- anyway, please okay, please dive so, in. You bet. So yes. Um so a few touch bases. So my grandfather's estate included uh, some cash assets and a home. So his home. His home in his will was to be sold. Fair. So it was not under probate, which probate is a whole other discussion. Probate basically means that the uh, it is frozen and suspended in time until a uh, uh, judge can sign off on everything identifying the will as true and legal and notarized and all the stuff. Identify that there is no claims, liens, or holds on any of his finances, home property, or anything legally binding. Got it. So for instance, if there was like a wife that things were not settled with, or um, if there was a lien on anything because of a debt, like they look into all that, the lawyer, the legal team, and all that stuff, they look into that, they then come to a conclusion that indeed his will is, uh, is good. Um, that there is no liens, there are no outstanding debts, there are no claims to the estate outside of the will, and so on. So in order for all of this processing to happen, there's several steps. Every step has a tax. (laughs) So to sell his home, you pay land transfer tax. Land transfer tax goes to the municipality in which the home is owned. So in our case, it goes to the town of Peterborough. I guess they call it the Corporation of City of Peterborough, but whatever. So it goes to Peterborough. So land transfer tax gets paid upon the sale of the home. So there's tax one. Which there was tax paid when he bought it. 
Of and course. the property tax he paid yes. while he owned the home. Correct. And et cetera, et cetera. Just to mm-hmm. like yeah, so make this idiot proof. Yeah. So every year my grandfather lived in that house, which was, um, let's call it 30 years just to be, to be even numbers. So for 30 years that he lived in the home, he paid property tax every year to the city for that house. He also would have paid tax when he purchased the house. Um, and then he also would have paid tax to the lawyer that did the sale of the house for him. So all those taxes were already paid. Now we have a home that's being sold uh, as part of an estate. So there is a land transfer tax that goes to municipality. There is tax paid on the sale of the house to the real estate company. There is tax paid on the invoice to the lawyer that handles the sale of the property. There is tax paid on all the final bills for said home. So like the hydro up until the day of transfer, the gas, the telephone, the insurance on the home, all those things all have a tax component. So there's tax, 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 tax to the lawyer, tax to the real estate, tax to the municipality. Then there's a thing called estate tax. And estate tax gets calculated by the lawyer based on the value of the estate of the deceased. So you account for all the money in their bank accounts, any um, stocks, bonds, equities, all that stuff they may have, their, uh, their physical property as far as like the home, the contents, if they have a vehicle, if they have a trailer, if they have a snowmobile, if they have stuff. So all those sums get added up and then a tax applied to all of it combined. Like in the neighborhood of tens of thousands of dollars in our case. So that comes right off the top of the estate before anything is paid out from the estate or will. Right. So on things, to be clear, again, that have already been paid for and taxed. Originally. Correct. Correct. So there is estate tax, which gets paid. I think the estate tax goes to the province. I think. Pretty sure. I haven't got all the final legalities paperwork yet. So the estate tax, I think, goes to the province. Then. You know who it doesn't go to? Me. Exactly. (laughs) Or you. Or the neighbor. Or the guy across the street. Um, like to be clear, it isn't mm-hmm. like it doesn't really matter. It's some governing body of some kind yeah, that yeah. isn't a family member. Isn't uh-huh. no, like you're no. It's no. It goes into you're, you're being robbed. That's yeah, how I see it. Robbed. I think it's crazy. It's extortion. So it goes then to someone that is no longer with us, which Correct. is a tragedy. Correct. Disgusting. Correct. Sorry. Then. Um, because things are tied up in the court doing the probate order and clearing the will and the estate of any debt or lien, there is also, I have to continue, or I, as the executor, have to continue paying for certain things even though my grandfather is deceased. So I have to continue to pay for certain things that are in his name because the estate is not concluded. 
Right. Then there is tax paid to the lawyer for handling the estate at the end of all of this. And then what was the, there's one more tax. The lawyer, so the lawyer dings you twice. They ding you for the sale of the house and then they ding you for the conclusion of the estate, for settling the estate. So there's two dings of tax to the lawyer. There's the ding of tax to the property, the ding of tax on the estate tax, and then, gosh, what was the other one? I forget now. It'll come to me. Is there like an accountant of some kind? Or uh, yeah. So, oh, right. So then at the end of this year, so for 2023, then I have to prepare his taxes, his tax return, because he passed away in 2023. So then I have to prepare, have his tax taxes prepared. And then there's a tax to the accountant or the tax preparer on his or her services. And then I may then have to pay tax to the government to the government on his income tax, <laughs> like for his income tax. It's like, where does the corruption end? Uh, it doesn't. We're going to dive into that actually right this second. But if one thing I'm taking from all of this is, A, y'all please have a will. And could yeah. you imagine and if he updated. didn't have one? If he, oh my gosh, I could. Anyway, that's total, again, for another day. But that just came to me to be like, holy crap, could you imagine? Like things at least were in, it, like in process, in writing, mm -hmm. all laid out. Could you imagine if they weren't? Yeah, like the so more, I, more lawyer time. Oh, oh I forgot. I forgot. The funeral home has, oh, I have to pay tax to the funeral home too. Of course. And we've had to pay that tax twice because my grandfather prepaid for part of his funeral and service. So in his prepayment, he was charged a tax. And then because he prepaid like many years ago, inflation has increased the cost of a funeral. So then I was charged... Uh, not I, this estate, the estate was charged the additional fees plus tax. <laughs> oh, and I haven't even bought his, haven't even purchased his headstone yet. And there'll be tax on that too. And I mean, to the extent of like, yes, every business has to pay tax. I understand that. But kind of the ridiculousness of this conversation is... More or less, like, things that have already been paid for are paid off. You go to sell a home that's paid for, that's paid taxes the whole time. Mm -hmm. a, a vehicle, it's paid for. You pay tax when you bought it. Then you pay to transfer ownership again. Yeah, then like, you pay I, tax again. So we just had to do that with my son. My son bought... This is a beautiful thing. My son bought a 2003 vehicle truck three years older than he is <laughs> it's hilarious my kids love old stuff my other son has a 1998 truck which is like 30 years old than he is. so the one that bought the 2003 truck that truck was a commercial service so it was used uh, on a farm and it was used to haul trailers of things back and forth from yep. point A to point B. So it was commercial use vehicle, which means the owner of that vehicle bought the vehicle. Now we know the story. He bought the vehicle brand new off the lot, 
paid tax when he bought it. Then every year he had a commercial sticker put on it, which is more money than a regular sticker. And the uh, inspection process for a commercial license, commercial sticker is is stricter. So he paid for a commercial sticker every year and paid tax on that every year since 2003. My son just bought the vehicle from him, had to pay transfer tax to transfer that vehicle from the farmer into my son's name. There was tax paid on the value of the truck. Not what he paid, the value. Of course. So if he paid more than what the value was, that's good for him because it's based on the value. In his case, the Not value <laughs> Yeah. The value was actually the value was less, a little bit less than what he paid, um, just because of the age of the vehicle. So he paid a little bit less tax. But still he had to pay tax again. And then, you know, there's tax on the insurance to insure the vehicle. There's tax on the gasoline that goes in the vehicle, tax on the wiper blades to put on the vehicle, and there's tax on the ins- the oil that he buys to put in the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's never ending. Um, let let's go back to a really key point we had here earlier that you mentioned uh, corruption. Oh yeah, let's the other just... c word. <laughs> I can't. Okay, so. Just a scenario, and I'm, I'm going to lay out a fictitious but very realistic scenario. Business A gets $15 million. That $15 million is taxed. Business A gives to business B $5 million. It is then taxed again at the exact same rate. Business B gives to business C $1 million. Again, taxed. Business C gives to business D 25K, again, taxed. Yep. These businesses, so let me, let me back up here. So people are getting contracts from the government, okay, and they're getting contracts for various projects. We will talk about the Arrive Can app specifically. So there were... Companies that were hired or people that were hired to create the ArriveCan app itself. There were people paid for consulting fees. There were people in various capacities paid millions of dollars, which is outrageous to be clear, but that's fine. We'll get to that. But if, as I said, business A was given $15 million, which business A then gave business B a consulting fee of $5 million, which was taxed again. And again, you see how it's the corruption and the greed that's going on. And I know some people are going to be like, well, that's the government's job is to tax us. Um, but, but is it? When does it stop, though? Like, it... Something should get taxed to an extent. Like, again, we've talked about the carbon tax. First of all, it doesn't change the environment in any way, shape, or form. And secondly, how? why do you have to pay tax on a tax? But again, we've covered that. I'm just circling around because it makes me crazy. But again, so now we're going to talk about the corruption of business A through D of not only... Are they being taxed, 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 and the government's 
making take, as take, 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 yeah take. as much as they possibly can. And the other thing is, is all of these companies that are getting these crazy contracts. The other thing that makes me just batshit crazy is that most of these projects or most of these contracts or most of these things never come to fruition. And then the whole project and the whole millions of dollars, it's just a complete wash. So millions upon millions and millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Again, we'll talk about kind of the Arrive Can app specifically. 52, 54. Something like that. 52-ish, let's say. uh, Excuse me. 50 plus million dollars. I think we'll just leave it there. We'll get... To a two-person company to to design and and manage an app. That, first of all, was useless. Second of all, didn't work. Third, we don't use it. And good thing we don't have a constitution because it was unconstitutional. Another day. Don't let's... Yeah, (laughs) let's... It... It literally and figuratively trapped people into quarantine hotels and to their own homes and into all kinds of frenzied states, only to now have it all come to light that it was crap, it was garbage, it was, it was like, it was just junk. You might as well... Write it on a a scrap of paper and throw it in the blue box. And you have multiple people coming out now that do develop apps. That's their job. They're in, you know, in the techie world and developments and Mm -hmm. all of these things with the project. And I mean, there's millions of apps available. So, of course, it's a vast community of of people that do this job. Yeah. Could have been done for 50, we'll reach and stretch and say $100,000. Yes. Where the hell... Did $50 million go? Well, well, Melissa. Of taxpayer money. This is why we're talking about this specifically. Yeah. This wasn't just when people are like, oh, the government funded it and blah, blah, blah. So it's okay that the project was a washer. So it was a failure. Uh, No, let's be very clear. We fund the government. Taxpayer money. The government actually pays for nothing. Yeah. We as taxpayers pay for that. So this is why I don't understand this corruption and greed and money disappearing and foreign aid when people can't afford groceries all of this crazy collective is we pay for all of this so mm-hmm. yeah like i don't know again i i 100 agree so the arrive can app is a big issue right now in canada it is all over the national news it's on tv you can watch it live like they they have live there so right now there is in inquiry court right yeah so there is a federal it's the senate it's a senator it's the senate of canada i believe right the senators there is a senate inquiry um like the Canadian Senate, there is an inquiry now. It's not, I don't think it's official court, but it is an inquiry um, into why the ArriveCan app was so costly. What warranted that? Who, who gave the, the go-ahead, the green light, to spend this exorbitant amount of money on this app? And then... Once that money was paid out to this app developers, there's two people. Okay, it's a two-person company. 52-ish million of taxpayer money. 
where did that go? Where is it? Yeah, where is it exactly? Where is it? And then the... I So I watched a couple days of this in short bursts because my my tolerance level for bullshit can't handle watching much more than about 15 to 20 minutes of it at a time. Oh, because there are nothing but liars and full of shit, but whatever. So there was a few um, senators who had the, uh, there was the blonde, the blonde gentleman that is... One of the two developers. Deve- yes. Yeah. The blonde gentleman, we will refer to him as. He was on the hot, the hot seat and he was being questioned by one of the Canadian senators. This Canadian senator, so all of this is filmed, all of this is on television, all of this is um, being recorded. I believe there's like a stenographer in there taking copious notes. <laughs> So there, and then like, it's a whole committee. It's a Senate committee. It's, it's a whole group of people that are, you know, supposed to be well-educated, well-versed and impartial. They are to hear the facts. They are to question the legitimacy of this case and to question the books, the accounting, to question the intentions, to question the connections to the government. That's their job. That's what their role is in this inquiry. So the blonde, the blonde developer was sitting there in the chair and one of the Senate um, uh, senators was questioning him. And the question came up, um, were you aware of um, Mr. So-and-so, who is a government official, owning a cabin? Okay, a cabin. We a cabin. If we want to get into uh, similar words, a cabin, a cottage, a vacation home, a um, a lake house, a second property, uh, uh, whatever you know, a retreat. Um, there's lots of words to to describe a cabin. Okay, we all understand. We all speak English and French in this country. We understand what a cabin is. The blonde gentleman says, no, I have no knowledge of said person owning a cabin. The senator then questions him again. Do you have knowledge of said person owning a cottage? Using a different word. So cabin, cottage, okay? No, I have no knowledge of said person owning a cottage. 20 minutes later... This is all on camera, right? This is all being recorded. 20 minutes later, in the line of questioning, it comes out that the blonde app developer says, oh, he has a chalet. I didn't, I didn't assimilate the word chalet with cabin and cottage. No, ma'am. That's enough. he, he almost like went to die on this hill. He almost had to die on this hill of word vomiting, chalet versus cabin or cottage in a Senate inquiry. Yeah. (laughs) Because he said he didn't, he didn't, he didn't think that the senator meant cottage when he didn't think that a chalet would be termed a cottage. And you and I both know that's complete (laughs) bullshit. And that it's, it's the, well, and liberals are great at it of like, if you can't answer the question, just 
spew bullshit out your mouth. Um, and they ask, they, they deflect, they deflect, they distract, and then they flip it. And what's frustrating of this whole Senate inquiry is n- there's likely nothing to come of it mm-hmm. more than public awareness of corruption, the corruption and greed going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes with your taxpayer money. Like, again, this is why we're talking about this of like, where the hell is your money actually going? Like, we're talking billions of dollars in foreign aid, millions of dollars to these contracts. We have not touched on, um, again, we're not getting into COVID stuff today because, oh my word, but like they had camps and they had facilities set up and people- Quarantine like, hotels. Quarantine hotel. We'll touch on that in five seconds. Yeah. But- we'll pull that up. But they, people were given multiple contracts. They were given- um, consulting fees they were given all of these things and then when these um facilities didn't um didn't move forward because covid ended up being over um you know all these things and let's not even for a second forget all of the billions of dollars spent on covid vaccines that are now expired trash that taxpayers funded also um, like literally in the garbage can. Oh, trash. They cannot be used now. Yeah. So, I mean, which, I mean, great. But no, like this is a problem. So let's just, we're going to get some facts specifically because it is um, a COVID funded or COVID funded. Yes. It's a quarantine hotel hotel funded by taxpayers. Yes. Um, and right now they're actually going into. They're in a lawsuit. A lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive into that information. Uh, so for those listening at home, this article is from CBC News Calgary. This article is posted September 14th of 2023. So roughly two and a, two months ago, eight, eight, eight ten weeks ago. Um, there is a hotel co-owner in Calgary. His last name is Rai, R-A-I. Um, at the the time during COVID, he was the co-owner of the Weston Calgary Airport Hotel, so out in Calgary, Alberta. Um, it was used as a COVID-19 quarantine facility, so one of the quarantine hotels, which, you know, of course, was a big, big thing back in, in uh, 2020 and 2021. Um, so he currently, this, uh, Mr. Rye is being sued for allegedly misappropriating, which means, um, defrauding in my word, nearly $16 million, million with an M in taxpayer money, which they are coining federal funds. But federal funds, as we have very clearly stated, doesn't mean federal money. It means taxpayer money that the federal government has taken. So, Mr. Rye, of course, is denying these claims. There is current legal legal uh, proceedings against him. And I'm just going to read a little excerpt from this article, which you can look up at home. <clears throat> so, it reads, A new lawsuit claims that part owner... Uh, Suki Rai, Suki is his short form of his first name, uh, and his PHI, Hospitality Corporation, 
kept money from the Public Health Agency of Canada, which is PHAC for short. The Public Health Agency of Canada is a federally funded, which means it's taxpayer money funded organization that was supposed to pay for the hotel to house travelers for their mandatory quarantine periods, which began June 2020 and ended October 2022. CBC News has obtained and reviewed hundreds of pages of legal and financial documents related to the lawsuit. Interesting that CBC News can go through hundreds of pages of documents when it pertains to a hotel owner, but they can't go through one single document when it pertains to our federal government. Sorry, side note. Uh, ah. Legal and financial documents related to the lawsuit filed by two of the hotel owners against the third. So it is, he's not being sued. Just be very clear here. He is not being sued by the government of Canada, nor is he being sued by the Alberta government. This is not a federal case where the federal government has busted him for misappropriation of funds or they, they knew about it or they suspected that he was not doing something uh, legally with the taxpayer money that they were giving him to run this quarantine hotel. His two other business um, partners are suing him. So three of them own the hotel, two are suing him, the third, because from the sound of this, he was like the on-site owner. So it sounds like the other two owners were kind of... Like silent partners. Well, maybe not silent, but they weren't on site. So they maybe don't live in Calgary. Maybe they live somewhere else. And they are trusting him to run and manage this hotel as a part owner. So Rye, Mr. Rye, led a, quote, fraudulent scheme targeting the hotel and PHAC officials, which is the the health agency, according to the statement of claim, telling the other owners the government was taking over the entire hotel, but only paying for 100 rooms, when he, in actual fact, negotiated the government payment for all 247. So the scheme sounds like he was telling the government, yes, yes, you can have my entire hotel, all 247 rooms, at X amount of dollars. But telling his business partners that the government was only renting out and paying for a hundred rooms. It is alleged he misappropriated, as in fraudulently dealt with. Embezzled. The, the embezzled. The revenue difference. So for those 147 rooms over the course of like two plus years to a total of 15.7 million with an M dollars, Canadian dollars. Documents show that Mr. Rye, who is a British Columbia resident, set up a bank account under PHI Hospitality one month before the, f- the federal health funding um, began coming in. So he opened up a separate bank account under a different name, depositing the Weston invoice funds there. So the Weston is the brand of the hotel. That account was not affiliated with PHI's operation of the Weston. So he opened a second bank account to embezzle and and 
hide this 17 plus or the sorry 15 plus million dollars from his partners the federal health agency transferred brace yourselves folks hold on to the countertop the federal health agency of canada transferred a total somewhere between again government record keeping 27.74 million and 29.07 million over more than two years into that account, according to actual deposit records. So they have deposit records for this amount of money. Affidavits attest that only 12.05 million was ever paid to the actual hotel for the quarantine facilities contract. This is the best part. Man, oh man. Financial documents from Royal Bank of Canada, backed up by the affidavits of his co-owners, allege the missing money was funneled to several entities related to Mr. Rye, withdrawn in cash, or transferred to offshore accounts. None of the allegations have yet to be proven in court, and of course, Mr. Rye denies all allegations. Oh, God. So, the takeaway here that is boggling my mind, it's nothing to do with how many millions of dollars was paid to one hotel, might I add. One hotel. How many hotels across Canada were designated as these quarantine hotels? Basically, everywhere that there was an airport in Canada. Yep. Like a major airport. Like a major, least. yeah. Yeah, like an international airport, pretty well. Every city that has an international airport across Canada had at least one, sometimes two, three um, of these Yeah, like Toronto hotels. had more than one for oh, sure. Oh, heck yeah. Toronto would have, Montreal, I'm sure, Vancouver, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Had multiples. So <laughs> the uh, amount of money is staggering, to say the least. Like, Let's just pick an, a, mil, a middle number. So the numbers are between 27.74 million and 29 million. So let's go with 28 and a quarter, okay? 28.25 million dollars paid from our taxpayer money to this one to hotel. One hotel. Times that by, let's say, 15 across the country. Yeah, being very reasonable. Anybody want to do that math? Anybody do that in their head? It's too late in the day for me to do math in my head. Well, billions and billions of that dollars. That is like, like stupid, ludicrous amounts of money. And taxpayer money. Like this is Tax where money. we keep coming back from is people sometimes I think forget or disassociate of yes. like, oh, the government's in charge. The government's taking care of it. Blah, blah. The government has no money. Yep. Literally no money. Zero. The government has your money, taxpayer money, your money, my money, Everyone else around Everyone us else's money. money. And they not just- have nothing. They print money. Mm-hmm. They make up numbers. They do whatever they want. They own They own nothing. So when it's like, oh, it's government funded. Guess what? We fund it. It's not government funded anything. Correct. You're being brainwashed and it's time to open your eyes right now. Like it baffles me when people are like, it's the government's job to tax us. It is. But like, why aren't we more aware Aware and why isn't there more <sighs> accountability? Well, not even <laughs> accountability, but why isn't it much more structured? Of like, how is it possible you are trillions of dollars in a deficit? Mm-hmm. 
when you literally you have, have no money like what do you do how is that even possible you print money print money inflation goes up you tax everything you're robbing people canadians can't survive and then we're talking about trudeau and we're paying for his socks. stupid vacation oh his socks don't even start <laughs> with me it was fucking socks but like we pay so this man makes where's my number Two hundred and sixty-seven thousand. Oh my God! Two hundred sixty-seven hundred thousand dollars. Yep. So every year, our Prime Minister of Canada, Mister Justin Trudeau, puke. He is on federal salary at the two hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars annually. Annually, and he's been now making that for eight years. This is his eighth year as our Prime Minister. Lord help us. Um. He makes that. So basically just over a quarter of a million each year for eight years. His net worth. Melissa did a little research before we started talking. His net worth before he became prime minister was what, Melissa? So in, oh, in 2005, his net worth was six million. Okay. In 2010, it was 11. 2018, it became 53. So get that jump. So he went from 10 million to 53 million as a drama teacher. <laughs> he's a teacher. He's a certified high school teacher. Oh, he's something. How might I, I would love to know what kind of accountant he's got and what kind of stockbroker he's got to increase his net, net worth $40 million in eight years. It gets better. In 2019, it went up to 63 million. $10 million in a year. Where did 10 million come from? If you do them, like, if you your make, salary is 267. Yeah, it's like certainly not $9.5 million. Where did $9.5 million come from? Right. Where did it come from? Oh. Well, we like to we would like to guess where it came from, but in reality, we're, they won't tell you. There, no. it's he gets to do whatever he wants. At no yep. accountability, no, no, nothing. No. In twenty twenty three, it jumped to ninety seven million dollars. Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> from sixty three million dollars in twenty nineteen. To $97 million in 2023. We pay for his vacations. Taxpayers pay for his groceries. Literally, we pay for his children's private schools. We pay for his wife because they are not divorced yet. We pay for all of her expenses. They go on these lavish vacations. In eight years, he's had over just over two years of vacation time. And taxpayers fund all of this. So if you make $267,000 every year, we pay for it. You have no expenses. How does your net worth grow $50 million? How? Corruption, embezzlement. Um, I believe a lot of where these, we will just, we don't need to say necessarily the Arrive Can app, but all of these contracts, all of these kickbacks, kickbacks from business owners, all of these things 
I think there is, well, I don't think, I'm pretty certain there is so much corruption going on at the government level because who's going to hold them accountable? Nothing ever happens. No one is ever held accountable. And again, they don't have money. They print money. They use taxpayer money. No one holds anyone accountable. So they get away with everything. The we scandal, the insider trading. We have all kinds of things going on. And it's like, oh, well, you know. Just and then it thing. disappears. It yeah. disappears. So I think on that note, we should totally wrap. But we have so much to talk about for, you know, upcoming episodes. But I just think the the main point of this is just, like, maybe you've never really thought about it. And maybe you're like, you know, more much more than we've even touched on. But I want to put a little shout out to anyone that's listening to this that has more awareness or knowledge than we do who is, say, a registered accountant or a CPA or anyone in the financial world who would love to get in touch and add some comments or feedback to how they believe, or any traders out there who work in the stock market, who understand how those things work, anyone out there who wants to grab onto the how does your wealth go from 10 million to 90 million, when your annual salary is only a quarter million dollars. If anyone wants to financially explain that to us, oh please, please drop a line in the comments, please reach out, please tag somewhere, because I would love to know that math. Toodaloo, y'all. <laughs>